You are listening to the Jobbers Court Podcast, a podcast for wrestling fans old and new. Court is now in session. Welcome back to Jobber's Court. I am Rasquatch, King of Jobber's Court, joined as always by my two partners of the round table, Cedric, the wise old owl of wrestling, as well as the man of a thousand and four nicknames. So, we're going to break down our thoughts of the network special Money in the Bank, and then uh, from there we got a couple other things to cover, but uh, before we get started, how are you guys feeling tonight? Doing pretty good. The uh, How Knado is about to tear through this review. <laughs> how Knado. That sounds worse than a Sharknado. Well, I can say I'm a How Knado. Sorry, Matt Hardy. <laughs> actually, speaking of Sharknado, v- version two. I actually just read earlier today that uh, the man, Seth Rollins, is supposed to make a cameo in Sharknado 4. I've I've heard that. Isn't isn't Chris Jericho in Sharknado? He was in Sharknado three, and the lack of a lion tamer on a lot on a shark really bothered me. He was very entertaining, but there was no drop kicks. There was no code breaker on a shark flying out of the sky. There was no lion tamer. It, it was it was a letdown. Yeah, I mean, if, if you don't get at least one lion salt, I feel like we've been robbed. Oh yeah. Oh, oh. yeah. I. Uh, I was not able to drink anything in watching Sharknado three. Look, there's only there's only one one guy who can really wrestle with sharks, and that's uh, that's Hagar from Final Fight. And uh, if you video game nerds out there know what I'm talking about, good on you. But uh, all right, that'll work. All right, so I bet Xavier Woods would know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. So before we get started, uh. I was going to cover the, the pre-show, but based on the quality of said pre-show, I'm going to kind of vote we skip it. You had Golden Truth and Brizongo, and Golden Truth defeated them because of their sunburns, and uh, the Lucha Dragons defeated the Dudley Boys and kind of in, in an eight-minute match that I, I barely remember. So, your guys' thoughts on the pre-show? That's exactly it. There you go. I was saying the complete, that the complete, complete silence says well, more than words. Since my feathers are already ruffled, as bad as they are, I think it must be the Hognado. <laughs> I'll make it quick. The Brizango and Golden Truth, as much as the crowd wants Golden Truth to exist, and as much as even Goldust defended, you know, the merger of him and our truth to be together and talking about how he loves to make people laugh and there's a there's a place for it kind of makes me wish that Santino Morella would still be around because that's pretty much what they've become all four of them and as much as people requested for Fandango and Tyler Breeze to get together I'm I'm pretty sure this is not what they had in mind so that match was a, a bust and I just hate seeing what the Dudley boys have become I'm going to go ahead and assume that they're okay with it. They're getting paid, and I'm pretty sure they had 
an idea what was going to happen. But it's really sad. They're not even putting over. They just become a laugh, a laughable team. And I don't think that's the way a legendary team like themselves should should go, or at least the, their last matches in WWE should be. That's just my that's just my two cents there. And Lucha Dragons good on them, I guess, for winning or whatever. There's always a good thing when when Sin Cara ends the match not hurt, so that's a huge one for them. Alex, do you you have anything you have anything to cover on the pre-show? Well, I will just say this: uh, Money in the Bank was built up the whole the whole show was built up to be a uh, a WrestleMania caliber pay per view or network special, and uh, it really did not start off on the right foot. And uh, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. The only thing I'll say is I was really sad. To see the whole sunburn angle thing, because I actually like the uh, the Brizongo gimmick that's going on. Um, I, I love the fact that they're kind of playing on Zoolander, especially with that kind of being a little bit trendy right now. And I I, I like the idea, and I think that they're pretty funny. Um, but yeah, the way that the way that all this has been going on, you, you, it's okay to have like one guy in the company that that covers the comic relief, but you can't have four of them. <laughs> There is a place for it, but there's not a place for four of them, and definitely not a place for both those teams to be feuding. Because I can't take them seriously, I can't take Golden Truth seriously, I can't take the Social Outcast seriously. So, so who really can I take, you know, serious, seriously at all these guys? It just it basically takes what is that seven, nine, well no, so three, four, five, yeah, seven. My math's terrible. Seven people on your roster. And turns them into a joke. And what what good does that do us? It really doesn't really do us much good at all. So, yeah. Anyway. Alright. So, the first match on the actual card was the Fatal 4-Way Tag Team Match for the WWE Tag Team Championship. Um, we all got this pick right, I believe. And, um... I'll start out with uh, Hawkster on your thoughts of this match. It went 11 minutes and 43 seconds. Yeah, uh, I thought it was a well-paced match. Uh, I thought there was good interaction between just about everybody. Uh, the one thing that bothered me about it is there really wasn't a lot of memorable moments. Uh, I mean, there was a, a few you know, fun, entertaining spots, but uh, it really wasn't built up. To, to wow me, if that makes sense. Mm. Thought everything was pretty, uh, pretty forthcoming. You could pretty much see exactly what was going to happen. Uh, so it was, it was an AM match for me. Uh, I did like the finish. Um, New Day coming out on top. Uh, the weird thing is though, is that it kind of seemed like Big Cass helped New Day win the match. Like it was almost like a eight on eight rather than a fatal four way tag team. So I don't know. It was just kind of a little awkward in the finish, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was okay. So if you had to give it a grade, what would you give it? Uh, C minus. Okay. Um, Cedric, your thoughts? Yeah, again, like it was, it was average, but it was a, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So just me, Cedric, what'd you think? Yeah. Yeah. I took a few bullets on each match on the money in the bank. And for the first, first of all, I, I kind of appreciate how Stanley mentioned, Mentioning how this 
network special was billed as WrestleMania caliber, and those first two matches didn't really do it for me. And we'll, we'll get to the overall once we're winding down all the matches and we, and we get done. But this match specifically, my bullet that I wrote on a piece of paper was very messy. I It kind of made me think twice about the possibility of, of an actual money in the bag briefcase match for the tag titles. A little bit confusing at times. And and the ending for me was actually a bad ending because at one point you had Gallows literally looking at his teammate being double teamed or whatever was happening. And he was just staring. He was waiting for someone to get up to do something. So literally the camera just showed him just standing in a corner, just waiting for something to happen. And then all of a sudden, once everything was in place, he got hit or whatever happened. And then the match ended. So there was confusion on his part and I also wrote Enzo botched so I'm not sure exactly what because to be honest with you it wasn't that much that it wasn't a very memorable match for me but I obviously if I wrote down mm-hmm. that at some point Enzo had a pretty decent botched and it must have happened and there were a few I, I think even the commentators were talking about when you have this many men wrestling at, at one point something's gonna happen something something's gotta give you know, you can't really pay attention to every wrestler so it was okay match. It was just that. New Day winning again. Okay. I think at, at some point, this, the love fest with them will probably end for the better. Maybe not the best for business when it comes to monetarily, you know, merchandise and all that stuff, but to give an opportunity to another team to take their place and also be built as championship cali- caliber and worthy team is going to have to happen at some point. So I, I would give this match probably between a D to a C minus. It, it wasn't, in my opinion, or it was cut off to me. Okay. Um, yeah, I noticed a lot of the same things. I think the bot you're talking about, it had to do with like a, like a kick or something like that, and, and Enzo sold it too early. Um, and the kick wasn't meant for him. It was meant for someone else, and Enzo ended up hitting the dirt. But um, yeah, there was a there's a couple couple things that are noticeable. The other one that does come to mind was the one with Gallows, and I think that's the one where he basically stood up and leaned against the ropes, and he was waiting. And mm-hmm. I think that was for Cass's big boot, I think, to take him you know out and over while Anderson was getting getting beat up. You know, it's just to me, it's crazy um, when you see a a team like the club guys, and you've seen their performances in other places and to just realize what is happening to them right now. It's just, it's kind of amazing how different the style is and how different like booking can affect the way that these guys look because, you know, I see so many things on the IWC and a lot of different posts and and pages talking about how these guys suck and they're, they're terrible and not entertaining. They're jobbers. Like, just really, you know, running these two guys down, and again, a lot of it comes down to booking, because I've seen them look good, I've seen them both in, in high-quality matches, the G1 Climax, um, you know, that they each of them wrestled in, in, in that tournament individually, and then also as uh, tag teams, so mm-hmm. it's just crazy to me when you, when you see a team like that, and then you just wonder, or when you watch John Cena come in and, and pelt them with a punch, and they, they sell it like they've been hit by a freight train, you know, and I guess 
good for them because they're they they know what they need to do to keep the job, you know. But uh, it's just it's just crazy to see things like that happen. But um, I was satisfied with a new day victory, even if the ending was a little meh. I I gave this match a C, um, and solid C. It was it was inter- it was entertaining. There was just a lot going on. They had a couple spots that were funky, but I didn't I wouldn't consider it below average. Any other thoughts on this match? Nah, that's about all for me. All right, cool. So, oh. I was just gonna say not not so much the match, but you know, it's I, I like the point the point that you brought up. That's that's why a lot of folks that follow indie wrestling are not as excited at times to see a, a good indie wrestler or wrestlers join the big dogs in the WWE because. That's that is always the biggest fear. How are they gonna be booked? You know what? When people argued about Sting and the way he was booked, you know some people find it favorable that that's the way it should have been. Others not so much. And if I stay specifically with Gallows and and Anderson, I've seen what they can do individually and as a tag team in in Japan. Like you mentioned, not only individual tournaments but tag tournaments. And to see the way they're being booked. Currently, it kind of hurts to see that. You know what I mean? It, it almost seems like for me to see them to that peak of their of their of quality that they can bring is going to take them going back to New Japan probably for us to see them again the way they were be, being booked before as part of the Bullet Club back then. Yeah, maybe. I mean, a lot of times there's the whole peaks and lulls thing, so. Could just be they, they don't have anything real big for them going on right now. And, you know, they, they haven't just... And then, not only that, but, you know, we know WWE and, and guys who aren't from there and, and the way mm-hmm. that they, they tend to treat them. So, maybe there's just this initial grace period with it because they've obviously turned the corner with AJ Styles. And I think they're, they're on mm-hmm. the uptick as far as being impressed with him. It just took them a little bit to do it, so... That's all we can hope for as, uh, as we go forward. Alright, so after this match, we had uh, Baron Corbin defeating Dolph Ziggler. So it was another match that all of us uh, had correct, although I think that was a pretty easy pretty easy bet. Um, match went 12 minutes, 23 seconds. Cedric, do you have any wrestling 101 on this one? My my bullet on this one was pretty much there was a slow paced match. I think at one point the fans were getting a little bit restless and they were booing, but it showed Corbin's strength, and I think that's all I wanted. And I, I think I've mentioned this before. If you're gonna build the Andre the Giant Memorial as as something worthy, you know, something that if you win it, it means something. The winner has to be shown as a strong wrestler, in my opinion. And up to this point, he wasn't looking that way. You know, you, you come with the, the trophy, but yet you're losing in, in pretty dumb mat- matches and ways to Ziggler. So I was kind of happy to see him show his strength. And, and and who better to look strong against than Ziggler, who at times oversells a move. But he definitely at this point, you know, showed off it. Mm-hmm. He made you believe that whatever Corbin was doing to him was hurting and breaking him down. And even when he had it, that rush of adrenaline that most of the times, you know, the 
the faces have before they get before they either win or get completely knocked knocked down by the heel. Definitely, I think Ziggler showed or showed pretty well how strong Corbin can be. All right, Hawkster, uh, your thoughts? All right. Well, uh, normally I do really like a slow-paced match. Uh, however, in this case, uh, it was it was almost too slow uh, when they first kicked off. Uh, I will agree uh, with you, though. I think this is probably one of the better matches that Baron Corbin has had. As far as the match itself, I'm going to give it a C. Uh, you know, average really wasn't that in uh, engaging. It was just kind of there and just kind of went through it. There really wasn't a lot of memorable moments for me in this one either. Uh, again, I'll give the match a C. But I'm going to give Baron Corbin a, a B plus, and uh, I'm going to give Ziggler, honestly, a D. Uh, and the main reason is most towards the end of the match uh, where Ziggler come running across and he was going to jump off of the uh, – jump off the stairs. I'm pretty sure we could all see the deep six coming either way, but that slip he did, it, it just really kind of knocked Ziggler down a peg for me. Cause he's always been that super reliable guy and whether or not you, you can say, okay, well, you know, the slip was there or not. No, I'm, 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 I'm about 99% sure that that slip was a botch and good on Baron Corbin for catching him. Because that was going to look really, really ugly. And even though he caught him, he still picked him back up and then went for the deep six. So I think that really speaks volumes about uh, about how good Baron Corbin is getting. Uh, that he was able to save that and save Ziggler from getting probably injured and falling straight smack down on his face. Uh, and then pulling him back up and dropping him again in the ring. Uh, I'm starting to really like Baron Corbin. Uh He's got that cocky, I don't care what you think attitude, and uh, I'm starting to like him as a as a heel. So uh, uh, can't wait to see where he goes next. As far as Ziggler, I'm not sure where he's going to go from here because um, he's really hasn't gotten that big push in a while, and uh, I don't know. This this definitely was not his better match. No, I, I find it I find it interesting, you know. Uh, the beginning of this match, I kind of really enjoyed the, the pace initially um, with Ziggler using some, like, going for a single leg takedown, and Corbin looked uncomfortable, and you could tell, like, Corbin didn't have an amateur background at all, you know, and so Ziggler starts to match out trying to use his amateur background, and Baron Corbin just backs up and gets into the ropes, so Ziggler, will, you know, will leave him alone. I like the psychology of that in the beginning of this match. Um... It did kind of turn from there. Um, I thought that I, I thought Corbin looked good overall, but past the opening moments, there's very few things you know that I that I really will remember about this match. You know, um, I gave it a I, I gave it a solid solid C plus. I liked it uh, better, you know, better than the the previous match, and I gave that match a C. So I think a C plus is a, is appropriate here for this match. Um, but interested again to see what, what Baron Corbin can do. Interestingly enough, you know, Baron Corbin defeated a former world champion. So, you know, wonder what that means, you know, for him in the future. 
Anything else you guys got for this match? C plus B minus. I agree. It wasn't incredibly memorable, but it did kind of show off a little bit of Corbin's strengths and you know stuff that he can build on. I I, I think in this match he, he he got slid down through the bottom rope and he immediately came back up quickly, yeah. showing a little bit of athleticism for his size. I think if the man just keeps quiet, doesn't say much, just shows up, does his thing, beats up, and then leaves again. I think definitely that will be a really good build for his character. I think when he when he talks, kind of throws away that his demeanor of just being an angry guy that's just gonna beat you and just be done with it. So I think that's what they they need to do with him. Good yeah. catch on the on what Hawkster mentioned about the almost botch that ended up into a pretty good move. That's a veteran's move on Corbin's part to actually have continue you know taking advantage, save save the guy for potential getting hurt and still being able to execute. One of the better moves, I think, right now in, in the WWE. Yeah, I think it. You know, it's to. It's kind of crazy that you look at, you know, where where Corbin is and the amount of time, but the the fact that he's just a he's just a solid athlete, and that's really what he gets by on. This match was a classic example that athleticism and strength um, can beat and can beat an amateur wrestling background, or at least that's kind of what they were trying to portray in this particular match so i kind of like the story that was told i'm at least for now i'm glad that this is this is done and hopefully we'll see both individuals moving on to something else so Mm -hmm. that takes us to charlotte and dana brooke who defeated natalia and becky lynch um i'll go ahead and take this one to, to start with so um obviously if you guys saw it you had Short match, only a seven-minute match, went opposite of what we kind of thought was going to happen, where we thought we'd see Charlotte and Dana having some kind of issue, and then Natalia, Becky Lynch, um, winning. Instead, we saw Natalia and, and at the end attacking Becky Lynch after Charlotte and Dana Brooke defeated them. This this match just it I didn't really care about it to begin with, and then they only gave it seven minutes, and then. You know, Natalia's turn at the end um, didn't really make a lot of sense at the time. So we just have to see if they continue to lay out the, the groundwork for, you know, for, for everything else. If it's simply like, oh, I was frustrated and attacked her, that's kind of dumb. There should be some type of motivation behind it, uh, some true motivation behind it. But I don't know. Not much else to say about this one. Um, what are your guys' thoughts uh Cedric? Oh, gave it a, I gave it a D. <laughs> and not the good kind, not the double D. Just one, one single D. Just one D. No, just one D. No double Ds. <laughs> Big D. <laughs> well, now we're going to do something else. Continue. That's, that's definitely something else. <laughs> <laughs> we, we digress. Yeah. That, which also starts with the little D boys. It just, does. That's all hey, that's a double pun. Hey, this episode is brought to you by the letter D. You didn't think of it. All right, but uh, you stole. You pretty much stole my bullet. It says didn't care, did not care much for this tag match, but a surprise turn turn around. And when it comes to to Natalia's uh, going from face to possibly heel turn, I. The one, the one thing I'm going to say is this. I, I'm kind of... 
I'm kind of down at the fact that we, not we, but just in general, the wrestling community was so up in arms, happy with what a possible change in the women's division. They even went from Divas champion and Divas division to calling the women's champion and women's division, trying to make it sound more like, hey, you know, we got more to prove. And then all of a sudden, Sasha Banks is not around and we've seen a, a decline and not even slow, but pretty quick decline in the division, you know, don't, you should not build anything around just one person. We already saw how that hurt in the men's division. And I think that's what's going on here. People have put too many chips on Sasha Banks that we've kind of seen a decline. Like you said, you know, how, how much time they get per match. And even the, even the nonsense type matches, like why, why this match again? Why, why these, this group again? Do we not have, any more folks to to utilize so this match had no sense the title was not on the line you know it's i think many folks felt the same way based on what i was reading it just did not really make sense and i kind of feel bad for becky lynch a lot of people were on the on the last kickers bandwagon for a while and this really hasn't helped her image as a as a performer i, I will say this though um the reaction she got as she was getting up after the attack was great. Like, there was a big, like, Becky chant, like, throughout the arena, and it was loud. Um, yeah. So she did get a lot of that good sympathy, um, you know, from the crowd, so maybe that was the reaction they were going for. To me, the the, the, tra- the tragedy here is just that, A, they only got seven minutes, and to me it was the first network match that we've seen in a while from the women that just wasn't good and it didn't didn't really provide anything to the storyline so to me it's just it's one of the first failures that they've had in a long time in the women's division and i like sasha banks as, as much as the next person but honestly the leading up to wrestlemania i had felt like becky lynch was outperforming her in a lot of ways, particularly on the on the microphone when they would have their banter back and forth um, on the uh, the headset there for commentary, I thought Becky Lynch was was outperforming her, uh, just in my opinion. So I don't know. Fans are weird like that, though. Whoever they like, that's who they like, and if they don't get that, then they crap all over everything. So um, I just hope that that Becky Lynch can get something going. You know, because even even my kids are like, they they're like, we feel bad for Becky Lynch because they they're turning into into a jobber. And I said, well, kind of, yeah. I mean, it's just it's hard for her to win matches, and they make her character look so naive all the time because everybody she pairs up with beats her up. And so I don't know if they think about the long term effects that they have on a person's character when they keep booking it over and over and over again, where they keep getting betrayed. It's one thing to do it every once in a while because then you can get that sympathy, but when they continue to do it over and over and over again, it just it just makes that character look dumb. But just a mm-hmm. just a, a quick rant on on my part. Sorry about that, Alexter. What were your thoughts on this match? Oh, and what was your grade? Before oh, man. We move on? Cedric, uh, I'll accompany you. I'll give her. I'll give this match a D. So that that's a double D rating so far. Continue. All right. Well. This uh, this match to me did not look like a uh, a good new era women's wrestling match, and that's why I'm going to give it a D. 
three Ds for Jeez. Divas match because that's what it looked like. It looked like the old Divas. Who think, cares? Let's take a bathroom break during this match. It's a, it's a piss me, match. That's a big shame. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a piss poor match, and that's why I, uh, you know, I walked up and took a piss during the match because it was just a piss poor match. Uh, nothing really special. Again, uh, you know, we didn't see the dissension that we thought we were going to see. You know, why why bother teasing it if you're just going to pretend it never happened and then. Just move forward like it never happened, you know. And then, uh, I mean, I, I do think the uh, the Natalia turn is interesting because she's always been that you know that squeaky clean kind of person that we've seen. So it is kind of cool to see a new side of her. But uh, I mean, let's not pretend we're kayfabe in here. And uh, you know, we have seen at least one Raw since this, and they really haven't explained anything about it, you know, other than the fact that uh, you know another friend turned into a friend of me for Becky Lynch. And it's just like you guys put it earlier, you know, it's, it's one thing to try to get that sympathy folk, but, um, is there a woman on the roster right now that hasn't turned on Becky Lynch? You know, <laughs> just <laughs> really, uh, it's, 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 it's a sad. And what I think the worst part is, is Becky's probably my favorite female wrestler right now. And I really like a lot of what she does. She's super charismatic. She's incredibly athletic, and she's got a great set of moves. Set of moves. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, you know, it's just – it's a shame. And I am excited where we're going here from now with uh, with the introduction of, uh, of Sasha Banks going into this. But it's just – it just feels really forced, and not a lot really makes sense, you know. Like, they were building up a good storyline to where, hey, you know, Becky's the underdog. She's going to rise up and, you know, and – and now I don't know. You know, we have a completely brand new story. You know, it's just okay. We'll forget what happened a week and a half ago, or we're going to do something different. So I don't know. It's just kind of weird. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's almost like they had someone new from creative like pop in and decide the women's division just wasn't important again. It was just weird. I don't, yeah. I don't know how to explain it, man. And, and, well, and that I think it's funny because then you hear people talking about the possibility of a Ronda Rousey. Or, or at the time of Paige Van Zandt, who she pretty much dismissed that because she wants to focus more on her UFC career after doing the Dancing with the Stars um, show. So it's 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 funny we don't we don't need someone from the outside to come in. We have the talent, and it's just like you mentioned before: it's how you book them, how much time do you give them, what kind of storylines do you give them, what kind of feuds that make sense, and just like you mentioned the. The poor girl who keeps getting betrayed by her friends. What's next? Lillian Garcia is gonna betray her. Come on now, like yeah, that'll be that'll be amazing. <laughs> you know, she, she starts announcing, and then all of a sudden she's like, you know what? I'm not gonna announce you. It <laughs> just betrays her even there. Just, like like yeah. she just whacks her with a microphone or something, you know? <laughs> old old hardcore core style. <laughs> who knows? I I yep. just I I feel bad for her, but I'm starting to get to the point with her character to where I'm like, well, she should have knew better. Um, but, oh well, because it's what, fool, fool me once, shame on you? Fool me eight times, that's kind of your bad. So. Yeah, it's almost as if Becky Lynch is the, uh, the red-headed stepchild of the women's division. Orange-headed. She is red-headed. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. But, what, what it has become, I'm just, I'm just saddened. 
for the women's division, at least for this particular match. So I'm going to move on because there's there's nothing yeah. else good to say. And if we could play taps right now, I would do so for this match. Yeah. Play, a, play a sad song for the Iron Maiden. Maybe from yeah. Iron Maiden. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I think it's, it's almost like we should almost have a moment of silence for how bad this match was. <laughs> All right, that's, that's enough silence. All right, and I'm done. All right, so next match was uh, Apollo Crews defeating Sheamus, and I think we all had this pick correct as well. Um, Houkster, why don't you start us out on this match? They were given 8 minutes and 36 seconds. Yeah, uh, quick match, and uh, to be honest with you, it was not as good as I was hoping, uh, based off of what I saw at the house show, but it was a good showcase for a... It was a good showcase for Apollo Crews uh, to get that, you know, that first big network special match in. And uh, honestly, I'm starting to like Sheamus again. As weird as that sounds, like I've always uh, the, like Sheamus, but yeah. like, well, I mean, I feel like the last like year or two, he's just kind of been bling. You know, he he went that face turn, and then it was just cornball and meh, and then he went back to heels, and then it was meh. But uh, I thought, you know, he's he, last couple months, honestly, since the. Uh, the breakup of the league. I'm starting to really, really like Sheamus again. Uh, as a, I'm starting to like not liking him, if that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, the uh, man, the ceiling is very, very high for Apollo Cruz. I can't wait to see where he goes from here. Um, the guy's just fun to watch. And again, throughout the match itself, solid, probably B minus, maybe even a C plus. You know, wasn't a huge standout. Wow, look at all the pops and. You know, the high spots or anything. To me, there wasn't really a lot of memorable things. But uh, it was it was good. Uh, it was it was entertaining. Um, to be honest with you, there's really not a lot I can really think of except for uh, some of the stuff that they were doing on the outside uh, with uh, Apollo Crews jumping up. Uh, but other than that, it was just... It was okay, but it was, it was fun to watch. Okay. Um, Cedric? I'm not sure why how Stanley mentioned the ceiling being really high for Apollo, and I kind of thought about Hornswoggle. But anyway, <laughs> um, okay. The dude seems pretty high two. for him. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Hornswoggle could, uh, you know, he could injure himself falling off a curb. But <laughs> uh, this match was just meh for me, to be honest. Uh, I. I do like the Seamus kind of not reinventing himself, but going back to his roots, if that makes sense, a bit more aggressive, sure. more, you know, a- angry folk, even though he did kind of mention the whole Ninja Turtle being the star thing that kind of takes away a little bit of that anger and, and aggressiveness. But I do like this this Seamus again showing up. Uh, I, I, a lot of people have, I've read many folks criticizing his character but i think he's one of those wrestlers that has the build to make it believable when he does win and that was just and that's what really i think kind of did it for me apollo cruz looks very happy most of the time and then i'll say he shows you this aggressive side but then he goes back to being happy but he's kind of have, gonna have to kind of like decide what road he's gonna take his his character one thing to be happy all the time and then aggressive and go back to happy and not doesn't really work for me too much but what really got me a little 
what got me a little bit upset, and I'll be honest with you guys, is the way he won wasn't as strong of a move as we've seen him win before. Yeah. What was it? A small package, was it? Or a sunset flip? I'm not too too sure, but I did write biggest win of his career, meaning Cruz, but it was after a pretty devastating white noise. And that's what got to me. I'm like, that was a pretty impressive white noise that mm -hmm. Seamus executed on him from the ropes to just then have the other guy win the way he did. I'm pretty sure there's a reason for that, that they booked it that way. But I just felt like it kind of threw me off a little bit. Uh, would have preferred. Obviously, I think we all knew Apollo was going to win. It's, he's the up-and-comer, new era type wrestler, but it kind of yeah, did it, it for me when Sheamus did not win after that move. Yeah, it was a very, very fluky type win. You know, uh, my dad is not a wrestling fan whatsoever. And uh, him and my sister watched this. Uh, and my sister was talking to me about it, saying, I actually got dad to watch wrestling. And so this is like probably the first network special that my dad's probably ever watched live. And uh, he actually watched it before I did. I had to watch it the day after the show. And he texted me saying, I really like the uh, the Irish Mohawk guy. And I'm like, the Irish <laughs> Mohawk guy? Oh, Seamus. So when I finally got to this match, I was like, okay, well, what was it that my dad liked about it? It was like, you know, he's that brawler type attitude. But, uh, yeah, that probably was the best moment of the whole match was that, uh, mm -hmm. that white noise from the second rope. And, uh, it, yeah, it was kind of fluky because he just went right into like a crucifix type roll up right afterwards. Um but it was, yeah, it was, it was entertaining. So, Cedric, what was your grade on this match? I'll give it like a C minus. Uh, I don't think it was that bad to go D or F. So C, C minus. You know, it, it was. Mm. It did, it did, it did what it was supposed to do, which was put over Apollo. Yeah, I gave this match a C. Um, you don't see a crucifix pin very often anymore, especially not actually winning with a crucifix pin. So that, I mean, that was kind of interesting, but, um, to me, the, uh, the problem I had with this match is they, they gave him, basically, Apollo Crews defeated again, another former world champion, and he beat him in less than 10 minutes. And it's just, I can't take myself out of the history of wrestling that I have in my mind, and I look back at Sheamus and how dominant he's been in the past and all these things. It's hard for me to overlook the fact that you know, they, they, they booked this in under 10 minutes, you know. It was almost like when Del Rio beat Cena in, like, 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. When he won that title, and I just went, wow, I can't believe it, you know. And it was kind of the same in this match, where I'm like, wow, they didn't they didn't even go they didn't even go 10 minutes, and Apollo Crews just destroyed Sheamus. So, yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't look good down the road for a feud with these guys if, if there was such a decisive win in, uh, in this particular yeah. match in, in that short of time. It just makes it hard to to get a feud going. Um, but anybody got anything else? Yeah, I know Miz. Oh, I know Miz, I know the Miz has been off shooting uh, the Marine five and doing all those things, but, uh, it, it would have been really nice to see him in there and go, really? Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just about the whole opening to the show. Cause again, the, the buildup for it is like, every, Oh man, every match is going to be awesome. And then, you know, we're halfway through the show now. And it's just kind of, eh, see, I think, really? I think the thing is, though, the matches that were good were really good, and we're getting ready to talk about a couple of those. Um, but I gotta, I gotta, bring it on. <laughs> Never mind. 
remind me to ask this at, at the end if we, if we got time because I, I really want to have you guys take on this your, your guys opinion because well, you, you do bring up a really good point and well there's no when you went so there's no there's no time like the present go ahead let's hear you, you mentioned you mentioned the history uh, of each wrestler and you know title holders and whatnot and then you mentioned the times that they're given do you think today's creative team to include the bosses that give the the green light to go ahead with the with the booking you think they actually think about these things or do they think that you know the the casual fan doesn't really give a hoot no pun intended so they go ahead and they go ahead and do something like a newcomer beating a a, a multiple time champion an aggressive brawlers like you mentioned someone who at one point you know beat the best of the best at the time do you think they really even think about that like you know the harm that they can do because i think Sheamus still can come back at some point and make it believable as a champ with a title that's not a cruiserweight title obviously but but then you have victories like these and you're like you know you're kind of harming your own product when you do that to try to elevate somebody else you're kind of harming that guy that's been the guy or at least part of the the a team type wrestler for for a while mm -hmm. um me personally i think i think they probably take that into consideration and i think like w when they're booking this match they're booking it going hey you know we can have apollo beat beat sheamus and if the commentary is doing their job, they're going to put over the fact that Sheamus is a former world champion and Apollo Crews, you know, defeated a former world champion. Um, but they didn't. And this is where it confuses me because now, like, maybe maybe that was the creative's idea was, hey, we just want to make Apollo Crews look really strong. We're going to have him beat Sheamus in less than 10 minutes. And But they were relying on the commentators... To, to put it over that way, and then that didn't happen. So some, so one of two things went wrong. Either your creative didn't do their job and didn't give them the, the 12 to, to 20 minutes that they should have gave them, or the, and actually for a match like this, more like 12 minutes, 10 to 12 minutes, but um, they, they didn't really didn't give them that, that extra time to do what they needed to do, or the announcers weren't putting over what they needed to put over properly. Because I didn't hear that mentioned not one time. That's that's why you need Mara Ronello running these pay per views and and or being part of the of the commentating table and not not actually the well, not actually the pre shows yeah. but the actual show itself. But even this is what I think. Even he couldn't save the pre show, but oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, he can only do so much. <laughs> but but I will say this: I feel like if he was calling that match, I feel like that that might have got brought up. You know, and I just. I don't know what Hawkster thinks about it, but I, I think creative thinks about it, and I think when they're booking it, they're they're thinking about it. But I there's a disconnect between what the com what commentary's doing versus you know what's getting put out there and the amount of time they're getting. Well, you know, we have all these advertisements that they, they got to spend out, and you know the the booking for the matches that are actually important, so. And you know it's I'm funny. Just, it's funny. Well, I'm, I'm being a, well, I'm being a, you know, a, an ass right now. <laughs> well, I'm just gonna say I just I noticed. Okay, so we're gonna talk about some matches here coming up. One was 24 minutes. One was 21 minutes. One was 26 minutes. So Stone Cold always talks about that main event being between 18 and 21 minutes, like being that sweet spot for like a main event type match. So if they're breaking the mold of that and they're going beyond that. 
sometimes I feel they could they could have given that extra two minutes somewhere else, so that extra three minutes to another match, you know, that, that really could have used it. Like, I wouldn't have mind seeing Apollo Crews go for another two minutes just to help him out or, you know, just one of these other matches to, to shift what it's... Or the Rusev-Titus O'Neil match. Just give them a little extra time. But anyway, it's just... I don't know. Just booking issues for me. And again, never booked a match in my life. But I know for me, it's strange when you have a former world champion multi-time. I think, Yeah, he's a three-time world champion, right? Um, gets defeated by Apollo Crews. And Sheamus was a world champion last year. So it's not like it was ten years ago that he won a title. It was last year that he held the title. Like after winning the Money six, in the Bank. Seven months ago, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like... Sheamus was this guy who was on a hot streak at one point, and then now, you know, you have him losing in less than 10 minutes. Just a, just, just weird booking. Anyway, sorry about my tangent. Um, anything yeah. else to cover on this match? Well, at least they pulled him off the pre-show. Yeah. So, <laughs> there, there is that. <laughs> and, and filled the pre-show in with, uh, yeah, so... Maybe they should have been. It might have been a better show if he was on the pre-show. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I don't know if any. It just the the pre-shows have been have been weird. That's all I'll say. All right. So now we're gonna start getting in the real meat of this uh, this network special. You've got uh, AJ Styles who defeated John Cena. Match went twenty four minutes and ten seconds. Cedric, I'll go ahead and let you. Uh, Get started on this match. Your thoughts? You guys know me, obviously already. My big AJ Styles fan, big indie wrestler fans for for that um overall, but definitely a big AJ Styles fan. I thought it was a good match. Before anybody says, "Well, here here he comes," no, I, I think it was a good match. I think AJ Styles looks strong, quick. He he literally literally ran circles around. Cena. Kudos to John to John Cena. Whether it was ring rust, the the quote unquote ring rust, or just him, just selling how much more athletic and more experienced, if you want to call it, a much better wrestler AJ Styles was than he was. So overall, the match was really good. Some good hard hits from AJ Styles to Cena. Some good moves from Cena. Cena did oversell a few moves. That I was like, hey, but that's a good thing at, at a certain point. But I really was not happy with the ending. And I, I know a lot of people have said, well, you know, this is the persona that they're trying to portray AJ Styles now. Doesn't mean that I was even happy when they went this route with him. But since they have gone this route and they're kind of running with the whole club thing, which may or may not be the best thing in my opinion. But the match was a great match. It was just the ending that did it for me. Even though he won, it's exactly the way I knew as soon as he won the way he did. The next day, John Cena was just, just going to crap all over him. And that's my that's where I have issues with it. He put AJ Styles over the top a week prior on Raw for the signing. I think it was amazing the things that, that Cena said about AJ Styles. Even mentioning companies that I had never ever heard anybody else mention on WWE TV or not WWE but the actual TV uh, on Raw and he said a lot of good things that I was like man he's really 
selling AJ Styles to the level that I'm really happy. But I knew that as soon as he won the way he did, the next day was just going to be crap city. And you made a good point before how some people say how bad the club is or Gallows and Anderson. There are people that have never seen AJ Styles before this. So they only judge based on what they're seeing. And to me, even though he did really good, winning the way he did for me just didn't do it for me. I would have preferred a clean win if that, you know, as a heel, but just still a strong win. If possible, and it didn't happen. And, and it ties back to his previous pay-per-views as well, or network specials, the way he's been booked to win or lose. And But overall, they, I, watched, I watched the whole network special with my wife and my two kids. And we all, after the win, we were like, damn, you know, really? But my wife said it best. My wife's like, look, it was an amazing match. She's like, don't be down. He showed off how good he is. And he still hasn't done a few moves that we know he can he can actually do whether they're banned or he's saving it for another match. I don't know. But overall, it was a really, really good match. It, even with a sour taste, I still will give it an A because it really was a good match. Okay. Um, Alex, are your thoughts? Alrighty. I thought this match was excellent. And honestly, I even thought the, the finish was excellent. So I'm going to give this match an A+. And here's the reason why I really like the finish. Um... You got everything that you wanted to see out of this match from AJ Styles. And I haven't seen John Cena get his ass kicked and made him look like a freaking schmuck in a wrestling ring other than the Brock Lesnar SummerSlam match. So this this to me was awesome. And I'm not trying to knock on John Cena for, at all. You know, sure, he's, he's gotten kind of bland doing the same old thing. But John Cena is a stud, and John Cena does exactly what he needs to do to make money. And, and get people to like him. And what this match did, and especially with the finish that they did with the club interference, is it defined a line between John Cena and AJ Styles, where you have the hardcore indie darling fans, and you have the casual young audience fans, or just the, the goody two-shoes fans, that they have a clear line between the two. You saw everything that you got to see from AJ Styles, the Styles Clash, the, uh, I forgot what it's called, but it's, uh, the movie he got from Okada, uh, where he puts him up on his shoulders and does like the spinning powerbomb kind of thing. You got the Pele kick. You got the 450 splash off the ropes, which I think to me is probably one of the coolest moves yeah. I've ever seen. Board 450. Uh, yeah, it's just nuts every time he does that. Uh, but you got that clear defining line between, so you got, you know, who's rooting for who. But even more than that is that you got a clear defining line between heel and face. And that, I think, is what a lot of feuds have been missing lately. Is you don't really have the true, that he's a bad guy. And by doing this, they've truly made AJ Styles a bad guy, a heel. And when you go back to the New Japan stuff, he was a heel, you know, like the whole club. They were heels. They did nasty stuff. They did run-ins, and they, they're they're getting true to that. Uh, and going back to what you guys were talking about earlier with the club kind of being jobbed out almost, you really not really seeing what they're doing. You're beginning to see with this match them going to, to those strong suits. Uh, I mean, sure, you know, they haven't dominated the tag team division yet since Money in the Bank, but you're starting to see that uh, – that ruthless 
kick-ass type side of them. And then you go, you know, you know, you go to Monday Night Raw and you had the, the "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, John." I honestly thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, th- I thought that segment was gold until the John Cena Ken Anderson or I don't know why I keep saying Ken Anderson Carl Anderson match uh, in where. You know, Anderson just pretty much turned into a punching bag for John Cena. Yeah, that I didn't like, but everything else, they're you know, they're they're trying to get it right. They just haven't got it right yet. And uh, in this match, I think they got it right. So I'm giving the AJ versus John Cena one because you know there's going to be at least three matches. I'm going to give number one a solid A plus. See, I I like this match a lot. I graded it as an A minus. Um, so for me. The I I'm with you, Hawkster. I like the ending. I actually liked it a lot. Um, I'm gonna kind of just lay out my opinion why. Um, we had talked about everything that that kind of happened in the match, so I won't beat a dead horse forever on that one. But I feel like if they would have booked AJ Styles to win clean one two three, what was left for AJ to prove? Um, there would literally be no reason. For AJ to feud with John Cena, because John Cena could come out as a face, and AJ could just be like, "Get out of here! I already beat you." They, they literally wouldn't have needed a feud, because then AJ Styles as a heel could have just avoided him till whenever, and just played on the fact that he beat him clean one two three. In this instance, which is what I loved about the the segment the following night, is that AJ comes out and says, "Thanks, you guys. You gave him a reason." You've given John Cena a reason to complain. And that was precisely what my thought was on that ending, is because of the way that it ended, it ensured that there was going to be a sequel. It's just like a good movie. When you see that ending where you're like, oh, God, because then you know there's going to be a sequel based on the way it ended, sometimes that's a good thing. And in this instance, I think it was a very good thing. And I, I in particularly liked the finish. If this was the way they were going to do it, it made sense. It actually was a little bit of an old school finish in that way. Almost a 90s, almost like a 90s run-in Attitude Era type finish where you take advantage of the referee um, and you you get the win that way. So, uh, no complaints here from me. Um, I liked liked the match overall, liked liked the finish. Just, to me, it didn't it didn't get me up out of my seat the way some some matches do, which is why I didn't rate it any higher. And I know a lot of times I can judge <laughs> how the excitement level of a match is based on my kids, and I know they were excited about it, but they weren't like out of their seat pacing back and forth excited about it. So I think that you know overall a minus great match. Um, any other comments? Yeah, um, as far as what you're saying is like the a minus versus my a plus. I will agree that uh, I thought the Kevin Owens John Cena the first match where Kevin Owens went over I thought that was a better match than this one, but uh, you know I as an AJ Styles fan uh, I thought it was pretty phenomenal. Um, but yeah, we didn't get it wasn't as brand new or fresh or it was like oh wow you know it wasn't the first time we were seeing these moves from AJ. So yeah, oh, yeah I see where you're coming from. Well, the other thing with KO is he did beat John Clean, but. The reason there was a difference between those two is because you could claim KO's win was fluky, and uh-huh. that and that he just got lucky, and that's how you write your storyline from there. Whereas mm-hmm. with AJ Styles, I mean, everybody puts him over as one of the best wrestlers in the world, 
So if he beats John Cena one two three, like there's there's little else to prove. He's proven he's better than John. Um, and yeah, that's, that's just, have another match. Yeah, and that's just my like I said, that's just my opinion where I, I disagree slightly um, with you, Cedric. But um, I guess you know different perspective. I think I think sometimes like because you love Japanese wrestling so much, this stuff does bother you because in Japanese wrestling there's almost always like a, a clean finish for the most part, and there's not as many countouts and disqualifications and things like that in in that style of wrestling. And I think because that's really like your wheelhouse, sometimes endings like this, you know, they do bother you. But, okay, just just remember that before I even introduced myself to New Japan Pro Wrestling, thanks to H to Access TV, you know, I mostly watched WWF that became WWE, WCW, Ring of Honor, stuff like that. So... But you are right. I have kind of become more of a fan of, of New Japan Pro Wrestling as of late. My thing is this. Already, obviously, I'm a big fan of AJ Styles. And I, and I think I feel kind of like Burt Hart. And really, I, I really try to get him for this podcast because I knew that I, I kind of see and already know what your guys' thought process is. I've read some of his stuff. And he and, he and I kind of think alike when it comes to this, especially specifically AJ Styles. They crapped on him so much from the moment he showed up. We've discussed how we could have probably changed things a little bit, how we could have booked things a little bit different in the Royal Rumble with him still not winning, but a different booking, which would have given him even more value. We've, we've mentioned in the past how JBL and Jerry the King Lawler, hi Jerry, um, how they pretty much <laughs> crapped on him for not being, for, for him not being a homegrown talent, which that was the, the thing that really ticked me off. And because, like I said, not everybody has seen him outside of WWE. Then you have the, the weird bookings that he had where he lost the, the the network specials. But then all of a sudden on TV, the move that did not work on the network special worked the next day. And even that three match feud with Jericho, the way it ended, I was like, this makes no sense. So I understand what you guys are saying. It makes sense the whole world. Some people might think Kevin Owens was fluky, even though it was not fluky the way that he won. And I see where you guys are going with the whole. It makes sense, and even the things that they're saying—that's the good. That's probably the only bright spot of of this feud is their the mic work. The stuff that they've been saying is golden. It just freaking goes out of. It's almost like CM Punk and the whole pipe bomb thing is what is the best thing. That I can compare it to. Yeah, they're saying they're, truths. Yep, they're going a lot of insider stuff too, which they rarely. Yeah, you know, Cena, Cena, almost kind of complaining about like, hey, I love WWE. You guys know it, but what was the what was everybody thinking when they did not sign this guy earlier? Or uh, you guys know I'm the 15 time champ in the WWE, yet this guy has won more championships in the same time that it took me to be. That's kind of that's golden, man. That's just good stuff. But to me, what I didn't like was. They immediately the next day they were already just crapping all over AJ, and yes he in the book with the Bullet Club in New Japan Pro Wrestling they did get involved a few times but he also had some pretty good clean wins as a heel, and that's that's where I was at I'm like look they're crapping all over you again now even today I was watching SmackDown and they still couldn't stop talking about how he well last week SmackDown how he cannot win without help so I'm like you know. That's, that's where I'm at. Now, 
could it just be that I'm gonna get surprised with a clean win from him down the road versus a a John Cena? That would be pretty amazing. But as of now, the way he's been booked, yeah, there's a difference between what we're seeing that we're like, wow, amazing. Yet what is being said from the commentator side, it's two different things. And like I said, the next the next day after the network special, obviously John, like you said, he he even said it. Now you're giving the guy a reason. Why to complain? And sure enough, Cena in Cena-esque fashion just crept all over the wind. Like, yeah, bro. Like, you're this. You're supposed to be this big guy, and yet you couldn't even win on your own. So maybe I'm getting. Maybe I'm letting emotions, personal emotions yeah. of a fan, get a, get it in front of reasoning or booking or whatever. But that's that's just me. That's yeah, just, I think I think honestly, you you have so much love for the guy as a wrestler that you you've taken it like almost almost personally. When, you know when. Most heels, this is this is classic American heel wrestling. Um, but sometimes too, like I find, if I read a novel, right, and then I try to write something, the the most recent novel that I that I've read or the most recent novels I'm into, that's what influences my writing. So I think with you, as you're becoming more and more of a fan of of like the like I said, the Japanese style wrestling, I think you see some of that, and then when you're watching other wrestling sometimes that that mindset doesn't transition you know doesn't transition back because that's not the what's been influencing you lately so sometimes yeah i think i think when it comes to this particular character i think you look at it and i think you just you've taken it really personally the the only thing i think with with aj for me the only thing that was wrong like completely wrong not just that they could have done better but as actually wrong was booking him to lose at wrestlemania Everything else that's been yeah. going on, I I don't I can't I can't sit and say, uh, the, the twenty minutes he got in the rumble wasn't very good. I mean that was still a great showing. Could have would have been better if he was in Jericho's spot, sure, but still was good. Everything else they're doing was was good with him. I just I, the only thing I look at was the him booking a loser WrestleMania and it didn't didn't really that one didn't make any sense to me. But everything else they've been doing, I th- I think overall I've felt like they've they've kept him pretty strong and doing a pretty good job with him but i guess that's just like a different mindset that that me and you have in this in this case i will say this as far as the uh just the the general consensus of what we're talking about here and i mean that's the beauty of pro wrestling is that you can get so emotionally invested in a guy that you're supposed to be booing for that it pisses you off. Like that to me is the, just the beauty of this, of this industry and this art form. And, uh, I'm happy. Like just, just listening to how pissed off you're getting about this, Cedric. Like it makes me happy to be a wrestling fan. Like it's, I think it's great. Like I said, you know, my, my, my biggest thing is just, you know, just hearing WWE commentators, you know, just once again, Trapping over indie wrestlers, you know, because they're not homegrown, and they did it with Daniel Bryan or, or Brian Danielson at one point. Now they're doing it with AJ Styles, you know, two guys that were pretty big in the indie circuit. You know, kind of makes me wonder what would happen if we get a Samoa Joe in the main roster. Will will we hear the same comments? Obviously not from the King, but hi Jerry. But <laughs> it's just yeah. It's, but keep it, in it's mind just my thing. Keep in mind though that. Arguably the best WrestleMania of the, the you know the modern era, the recent era, was completely built around Daniel Bryan. So you know don't don't uh, 
don't throw away the uh, don't throw away the chessboard just yet. I think uh, I think there's going to be a lot more really interesting stuff happening in the future. So uh, yeah, cool. Well, we uh, we got we got pretty passionate on that match, and I thought we might because I knew you know we we had differing opinions, especially on the ending. So that's good stuff, though. Good debate, and I I hope listeners would would weigh in and let us know what they thought. But uh, next match is the Money in the Bank ladder match, which was for the heavyweight championship contract. Uh, Dean Ambrose was the victor over Del Rio, Cesaro, Jericho, Owens, and Sami Zayn. Um, I like I, I like this match a lot, although I can't look at a Money in the Bank match and never say I've disliked one. Um, I gave this match another A-. Thought it was a, a good match, some exciting spots. I love the double ladder thing that they had set up at one point. Um... I, I really like um, a, a couple of the, the spots, particularly when Kevin Owens just straight looks like he's dead, when he, he gets slammed on the ladder and he's just hanging over the thing. Although, I don't know if it's just me, but there's something about Kevin Owens that reminds me of Winnie the Pooh, and I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure what it is yet, but like sometimes... It's sometimes, probably the belly. Sometimes when I see him, I'm just like, he looks like a really angry Winnie the Pooh. And uh, it makes me laugh even more, and I even enjoy his character even more because of it. But uh, anyway, um, overall, like I said, some uh, some real good spots in this one. It kind of had you going back and forth on on who was gonna who was gonna win. Um, all those guys basically went through hell. There was that spot where Jericho got uh, the Cesaro swing and then just thrown directly into that ladder, and that looked really brutal. Um, so yeah, definitely some some brutal brutal spots in this match. Good match overall. Nothing really to to really complain about. Wasn't the the best Money in the Bank match I've ever seen, but definitely enjoyed it. Gave it an A minus. Um, Cedric, your thoughts? I'll keep it I'll keep it simple since that took so much time earlier. <laughs> uh, I I pretty much wrote it. Great great match. I'll give it an A. Dean Ambrose was not my pick to win, but I think it was, at this point, almost an obvious choice. A lot of folks, I read a lot of comments and a lot of people were saying that that was kind of the obvious choice. But definitely, uh, it was an amazing match from from beginning to end. And once to me, once again, you know, Cesaro builds a pretty good, you know, not so much resume, but he a pretty good story as to why he can one day hold a championship. Maybe as high as a as a uh, brand represented type championship if they ever do go to the split uh, championship brands or, or split brand championship, Raw and SmackDown. Kevin Owens, this guy just keeps, you know, his stocks keep going up and up. You know, from his in ring skills to his mic work, definitely the guy has it. And it was even nice to see Chris Jericho. You know, not as fast as the other guys, but he too had his moments. Great match. DA was not my pick, but definitely a really, really good match. All, all six involved. All right. Um, How Canado? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this an A minus. Uh, very enjoyable match. Uh, and the reason I give it an A minus instead of just a solid straight A is because even though this was a super entertaining match and there was a lot of really, really good psychology. The reason I'm 
I kind of had a weird taste in my mouth, like one of those. I'm not sure if I like it, but I know I don't don't like it. If that makes sense, <laughs> like it's just a very different taste. Like, like I kind of like this, but I don't know what it is. Are we talking about? We're still talking about this match, right? Continue. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, anyway, <laughs> and the, the reason I'm saying this is because when I think of the Money in the Bank match or just any ladder match in general, I'm thinking of a whole bunch of high spots, a whole bunch of crazy, you know, jumps off the top of the ladder and breaking stuff, and it's like wow, 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 wow. And they're really, I think there was like what maybe three or four like really big spots, and even then, the big spots were more of just a, a hey, look what we constructed rather than a. Oh my gosh, someone might have just died. The only oh my gosh, someone may have just died moment to me was the uh, the blue thunder bomb on the on the Kevin Owens on top of the sideways ladder. And yeah, just like you said it, like is his back in in proper form right now? Because like yeah, I thought he died when he hit that. Like he just like oh my god, oh my god. Like that was to me really the only big spot. Yeah, the um, the Cesaro swing into the ladder, you know, it was kind of cool. Uh, the the springboard off the ladder onto the ropes back into the the uppercut. I thought that was pretty cool. But aside from a couple of those little itty bitty spots, there really wasn't a huge whoa to the entire match like I like to see in ladder matches. But that being said, the story being told, you know, you had a lot of different good psychology in the match. You had the the Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn where we just hate each other so much that we're not really trying to win. We're just trying to keep the other guy from winning kind of thing. Uh, you have the Cesaro where, you know, he's just that guy who is just a solid, solid, great performer trying to prove himself, but he just can't get it done. You know, there's always that one thing that's keeping him. And, uh, and then you have Dean Ambrose who I'm, I'm just going to do what I do. And, Hey, look at this. I won. Holy crap. <laughs> what? Oh, my gosh. Holy crap. Like, what's next from here? Um, that, that might be your best impression. But I, I thought it was really good. Yeah, basically. Um, but, yeah, the, uh, the the formation of that weird little key in the ring with the ladders, uh, I thought it looked ridiculous when you had all, all of them standing on top of it. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Please don't. Like, please don't have a botch here. Please don't come loose. Because that was freaking me out. Like, oh my gosh, like, how is that holding all them up? I thought that was cool, but it was more cool just to look at. It wasn't one of those, like, just huge, whoa, like, holy shit moments. It was just, you know, just a a monument in the ring. And I thought that was kind of neat. Um, the, uh, the finish to me kind of came out of nowhere uh, with Kevin Owens dropping dropping down like I thought something else was going to happen before Dean, uh, Dean Ambrose grabbed it. It was like I was waiting for something else and then it just, okay, he wins. So it was one of those like unbelievable wins, but I guess Dean Ambrose winning the money in the bank and then knowing what happened later on, like it is pretty unbelievable. So I think it was well put together. Okay. Yeah. Um, Overall, like I think you guys will set it best as far as the, the storytelling, each guy individually. Um, one other thing I wanted to touch on, it was one of my favorite parts, of the silly thing, was KO putting that, that ladder um, up against Zayn. When he, I think it was, was it Sami Zayn who put him on the apron? 
and he put the ladder yep. and it looked like he was going to run up the ladder and instead he just stopped to the yellow and then kicked him. <laughs> oh, I love that. Because yes. at, at first I thought, did he was he going to run up it and then just decided not to or did he actually stop on purpose? You know, it was just one of those that made me think for a sec, you know, a couple seconds as to exactly like what he had, oh, yeah. had to do with that spot. And I, I thought that was really good and then it's one of those things you get the audience hype just to take it away from him and I, I love when you can take a minute just to, to make the crowd go, oh man, but... Yeah, and yeah. I think KO is probably one of the best people in the business that does that right now. Yeah, he's him and he, Seth Rollins. <laughs> so they're both classic trolls. They're both very good mm-hmm. at, at trolling people. So, all right, cool. Yeah. So actually, one last thing I want to say about uh, about this match, and then it goes into commentary. Michael Cole needs to shut up about being the bullfrog splash. Like he says it almost every time that KO does it. Uh, but KO himself said, no, it's not the Bullfrog Splash. Like, he, he got pissed off when he heard Michael say that. He's like, no, it's it's the six-star Frog Splash because, uh, you know, RVD a five-star and I'm better than him, so it's a six-star Frog Splash. I hate that he keeps calling it the Bullfrog Splash. No, blame, it's just six-star Frog Splash. Blame JBL. He's the one started it, yeah. Yeah. Let's say precisely. I'll say JBL's the one that put that in his brain, so blame him. You know, the... This might be honestly, it's 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 hard, but this might be the worst commentary team that I've I've ever seen them have since like the original Raws back in '93. Um, and it's yeah, it's hard, it's hard to to say that, but I think it is. I think as far as a commentary team, the one that they use on Raw and the one that they use on their network specials is probably the worst commentary team um and one exciting thing about the brand split is if we get to see morrow on, on thursdays calling you know matches live on and then also calling it for the network specials that smackdown's gonna have or what if morrow mm-hmm. gets drafted on raw to come up to the you know there's just a lot of possibilities there um but yeah i think this could be the weakest commentary team um that I've that I've heard in a long time, and I hate to say that, but I mean that's just just sort of how yeah. I feel. <sighs> I think another really bad thing about it too is that uh, Byron Saxon is beginning to remind me of a young Michael Cole, and that's to me is very scary because I just I can't stand Michael Cole anymore. <laughs> um, since we're talking about commentary, you know, bring up the fact that uh, King has um, been uh, pulled off. For an undisclosed amount of time, pending whatever the judges decide with uh, the incident that happened with him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully it all resolves and it was it ends up being something that was just kind of blown out of proportion. But if we don't have King, who's going to replace him? And uh, to me, I would love to see as a uh, as a brand split commentary, my fantasy commentary teams. If we're going to go that route would be JBL and Mauro Ronaldo. I think that might be a pretty interesting heel-face dynamic for commentary. And then I'd really, really like to see Michael Cole teamed up with, uh, oh my gosh, I just spaced on his name. I love the guy. Sorry, Corey Graves from NXT. I would love to see him and Michael Cole because I, I can just imagine the kind of just verbal berating that Corey Graves would give Michael Cole almost kind of the same way that Kevin Owens does uh, to everybody. So uh, that will be my fantasy picking, because even though I hate my Michael Cole, I don't think he's going away anytime soon. 
but I just want to throw in that little tidbit. Sorry. That's my rant for the day. <laughs> we, just, we just have our, our little mini tangents. Um, Cedric, you got anything before we move on to the next match? I was going to say Corey Grace, better pick than David Otonga by play a mile. Yeah. And I just got a sneak uh, a sneak peek of... Sneaky peek? J- good, old, good old JR announcing AJ- NJPW with... Oh my gosh, the, not the baby face of Santa. That's not the name he goes by anymore. Josh Barnett, but it was Josh Barnett. Yeah, it was whatever right whatever name he goes by. Yeah. He goes, he has a, the war machine or the war something. I don't know. But the thing is, dear Lord, uh, JR and King, great. JR and Josh Barnett, terrible. Mauro Ranello <laughs> and Josh Barnett, golden. I just got to say that. Mauro brings to the commentating table. Regardless of where he's at, because I've seen him comment on NJPW, SmackDown, and boxing and kickboxing. He just brings the historian type um, reputation with him. He just knows so much of whatever sport he's commentating on. And then he just makes you believe that this is real, if that makes sense. And then his excitement... I remember Joey Styles will bring that kind of excitement when I hear ECW. That's the way I see Mario Ranello, like that excitement. Oh and <laughs> I just, I think JR just lost a few bits, a few pointers with me. I don't know what happened, but that, no, oh my God, I, just I threw can, me off. I'm <laughs> <I can, laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, bad. I, I, I can just, tell you, not, not to get too far off subject, but I can tell you exactly what it is. The JR always needed a commentary guy that was pure color commentary and that could also um, be like either super funny or like super sarcastic. That's why him and King work so well together. That's why him and Bobby Heenan work so well together back in the day because um, that's what he needs. And Josh Barnett is a great play-by-play, not a good color commentator. So I think the problem is, is in in what they're doing is Jr. is a play-by-play, and Barnett's a, a play-by-play. So they don't have a color commentator. Um, it also bothers me that, that uh, it also sorry, good. Uh, so it also bothers me that that Jim Ross like refer he brings everything back to the, the WWE even on the New Japan show. So he tries, like, any of his things that remind him, he always has to be sure to bring it back up the, of who this person reminds him of in the WWE, or this move is called this and that in the WWE, or, you know, I hope he paid Scott Hall for the rights to use the Razor's Edge. You know, whatever it is that, that, that he's going to say during the, some of those matches, just he brings that all, all back to WWE wrestling, and sometimes I wish he would get away from that and focus on the fact that it's Japan. But... That's neither here nor there. I think we've I think we've ranted enough on this particular subject. So um, I'll take the hit on this one. My bad for bringing up commentary, and we're gonna hit <laughs> we're we're, we're gonna hit uh, Rusev uh, defeating Titus O'Neil by submission. Eight minutes and thirty seconds for this match. Um, Cedric, why don't you go ahead and let us know what you thought of this match? This was a pre-show match on the main card. That's pretty much what I thought about. Wow. Mm. We we all we all knew. We we all knew. I saw. I actually caught up with the shows that you guys mentioned that I that in the last podcast I said, hey, I haven't seen, and you guys said, well, there was a little bit of build up. 
not enough for me to make sense of why Titus O'Neil was going against Rusa for the title. It didn't make sense to me. I know it makes sense to you guys. It didn't make sense to me. And the ending was so predictable. And I've, I've even, I think I've even read and heard people say, so where does Titus O'Neil go from this point on? We know where Rusev is going to go because definitely he's, he's become the dominant heel that everybody likes to boo and hate. And I think even Lana coming out and doing her little twirls, people are not even whistling as they used to, like just loving Lana, hating Rusev. I think that they both have become to a point of a good heel team where people just don't like seeing them anymore. But really, I, th- I think that's when they had the, the crash of the two Rams and the clothesline on the outside, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I was like, okay, what else now? I'll, there was a few very bad no-sells that I was like, okay, what's going on? That that should have been a really good hit, but nobody sold it. And then we all knew what was going to happen at the end. And then even even worse was <laughs> when Rusev went to O'Neal's son. That that was kind of classic. If you want to get the, the crowd to hate you, yeah. yeah, definitely go ahead and do that since we all know how much Titus you know, loves his, his, his kids. So, but for me, it, it took, that match took away from other matches. And if it wasn't for the fact that Rusev was the one that had the title, if it would have been a Kalisto, definitely go down to the pre-show. That title, Rusev needs to hold on to that title and keep doing what he's doing because that title needs a really big boost of prestige vitamin B right now. Cause it's Kalisto did a, did really bad holding that title. So, mm-hmm. But I, I don't think I don't I don't know if there was one person outside of Titus O'Neil's kid that thought he was going to win the title. <laughs> and what, before we move on, what I loved is at the end when his son like goes to to slap Rusev on the chest, and it was like the the it was like the lightest <laughs> yeah. slap I, I I'd ever seen. I was like, man, you got to at least lay it in. You got a good chance to go ahead and lay yeah. one in. You you should have took advantage of it. Um. Before you give yeah. before you give your thoughts, Hawkstar, I just want to say, Rusev looks like twenty or twenty five pounds lighter, um, lately, mm-hmm. and he looks like he's in great shape. He's a monster. Like I, I watched him tonight, and he always, like he always had usually had a big like bigger stomach and that big barrel chest and everything. Some tonight, like he's almost rocking a six pack now. So I don't know what him and Lana are doing, but I think she's using up his love machine. Um, and uh, I think, Augster, it's your turn to talk about this match. Well, I just got to say, you cannot forget about cardio. Cardio is the most essential part of your routine to get in better shape. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that uh, they've, they've got the, the good long cardio sessions going on between those two. I mean, she keeps saying, and my fiancé, in addition to the super athlete. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that they're really hitting that cardio hard. So, uh, yeah, you know, good on it for, you know, trying to get in better shape. You know, it's, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Newlyweds. Good to you. Out of the match, yeah, out of the match itself, uh, I, I agree a lot with what Cedric was saying. Um, you know, I, I, I really was expecting a, a more even-killed match. Um, Titus O'Neil has been a very interesting person for me. I think he's got... A lot of raw potential to be a breakout super superstar, super superstar, yeah, super superstar, um, a superstar, a superstar, <laughs> but uh, a superstar, whatever you want to say it, however you want to say it. But I digress again. Going back into the meat of the uh, the meat of this meal. Good lord! After I just I- haven't <laughs> seen. 
I just haven't seen that breakout moment from Titus. And I was really hoping to see that during this event. Mm-hmm. And it just gives me more reason to kind of push him back to the bottom of the line. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to wish him any ill will, but, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being cut somewhere down the road. Future, future endeavored. Uh, yeah, future endeavored. Uh, and the main reason I say that is just, you know, he, he gets, he's, he's finally getting this push and this opportunity and there's really nothing memorable from his, from him, his performance. Uh, you know, there were some of the no cells and there were just some of the really awkward kind of moments. Um, but on the flip side, I'm glad that they're giving Rusev this, uh, this monster super athlete style back. Mm-hmm. Uh, the League of Nations really hurt him a lot and he's back to, that dominant champion that he was before, and my gosh, that heel work at the end with with Titus's kids, I thought was great. <laughs> um, so, uh, so hopefully at Battleground, Rusev beats Titus again, and then we're done with Titus, and we get to see someone else challenge Rusev going into SummerSlam. Because um, I really didn't like the match at all, but I, I like what Rusev did in it. I look forward to seeing more from Rusev because he's that he's that heel champion. That I love to boo. Like he's mm. he's the guy that really gets under my skin. I hate seeing him win, but I love to hate it. If that makes sense. Yes, I think so. He's like one of the true heels that I don't actually want to win. Like with AJ Styles and Seth Rollins, I like them legitimately. Like them. I don't like them because they're heels. I like them because I like them. And with Rusev, I hate that guy. Like I hate seeing him win, but that's what makes him so good. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to give the match a C minus, okay. uh, B plus for Rusev, D for, for Titus. All right. Um, Cedric, did you have a rating for this match? D. D. I, I gave this match a C minus. I didn't think it was a terrible match. Just wasn't great. Honestly, I think if, if they, they want someone who's Titus O'Neil like, that they could kind of wrap their hands around and plug and play in this character with somebody that would be younger, they should really just go look at Moose from from Ring of Honor because he's comparable in size, comparable in athletic ability, but like six years, seven years younger. And I think that that's that's Mm -hmm. one problem that Titus has is he got into the business so late that what can you really do with him now? It's not like you can build a... A whole thing around him because he really only has three, maybe four good solid years left, realistically. So, I don't know. Just, just tough. I kind of agree with you though, Hawkstar. I think he's going to be future endeavored, um, not too, too long from now. So, uh, we're getting ready to get into the final match here, the main event. Um, we've got, uh, we had Seth Rollins who defeated Roman Reigns clean, 1-2-3 in the middle of the ring. Of course, we know why uh, a little bit now. Um, he was de- Why Roman was defeated clean. And then, uh, obviously, we had a little bit of a surprise at the end. So, Cedric, you want to tell us about this match? Alrighty. Um, we all know that Roman Reigns lost clean because he wasn't. All right. <laughs> Got to get that joke out. <laughs> oh, he's not a good guy. He's, he's not a bad guy. He's the suspended guy. They weren't good drugs. They weren't bad drugs. They were just the drugs that he took. It wasn't a good suspension. 
It wasn't a bad suspension. It was the suspension. All right, we beat that. We beat that. <laughs> that pretty bad anyway. All right, those puns was, have been future endeavored. Yeah, <laughs> it was. His uh, push has died. Hi, hi, Jerry. But it was a. <laughs> it was a good match. I think it was a a really good match. To say that Roman Reigns hasn't had his best matches in the past, maybe three network specials will be to lie. I think the man, when paired with somebody who can either carry him or push him, it we've seen it that it's worked. That's just my opinion. However, I'm gonna go back to my little AJ soapbox. That's not even a soapbox anymore. That damn thing is like a industrial side detergent box. Yep. My my thing, and now obviously we know now, but just kayfabe it like we didn't, like I don't know. My biggest anger was the fact that Seth Rollins beat him clean, yet AJ couldn't beat him. Or AJ couldn't beat him at all, point blank. And you guys know that I wasn't really happy with. He threw him with he threw with everything except the kitchen sink because he couldn't find it or probably carry it since he's a small wrestler. And yet <laughs> one spear and he was done. In Seth Rollins' case, he actually beat him clean. And that kind of threw me off a little. It threw, I definitely threw my wife off and, and my kids off when they saw that. So that was my, my, my biggest complaint with it. And then obviously what happened afterwards, which we'll probably discuss, that threw me even more into my, my big industrial detergent barrel of soap that I have with the whole AJ and how it has been booked. But overall, the match was good. Some really good spots, some really good moves, and definitely builds for future feuds. But for the sake of just sticking to the match, that was my my one my one thing. You know, just didn't make sense to me at the time. But it was an overall really good match, probably B plus to A minus type caliber. Okay, um, Hulkamania. Alrighty, well, it wasn't exactly how I predicted. I mean, it, we, never, we never saw Triple H come out, but uh, I just want to say I was right with the Dean Ambrose cash in. I just want to put that out there. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You know, outstanding. All right. Woo. Yeah. But uh, drink it in, it, man. It was a really good match. Drink it in, man. The <laughs> gift of outstanding. <laughs> Hokako. I don't know. That just sounds horrible. That sounds like a gas station. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but no, I really liked it. Uh, again, I, it probably was one of the better Roman Reigns matches that uh that I've seen, and you know the, the quality of the wrestler he's in there with uh, uh, probably helps out a lot. Um, but uh, it was it was good. There there was a few moments in there where like he gets hit with a right hand and he turns right, and I don't know, it was like there was a few like awkward cells. Um, but it was a really good match, and I don't know how I want to nitpick because I think I do that way too much. But it was it was really good. I, I liked it a lot. Uh, again, I think it was probably one of his one of his best matches. Um, second, maybe only to the Brock Lesnar WrestleMania match. Uh, but it was it was really really good. Uh, the spear into nothing when he crashes through the barricade. I thought that was sick because uh, like showing the replay, he goes straight shoulder into it, and that was that was pretty nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the spear countered into the pedigree for the finish. I thought that was just spectacular. Like again, Seth Rollins can't do the curb stomp, 
but that was about as closest to the curve stomp as I think we might see in a while. And that was that was pretty sick. Uh, so I was I was really happy with it. And uh, Dean Ambrose coming back in. Yeah, I was I was pretty upset to be honest with you to see Seth Rollins lose immediately. Uh, I was hoping for a for a failed attempt, but now that we have Dean Ambrose as a champion, um, I'm not too upset by it because the dude is pretty cool. Uh, watching Raw today, uh, seeing a sign with the dude written on it, but it's the Dean Ambrose logo and the D for dude. Uh, <laughs> I just think that's a freaking awesome logo. And I can't wait to see that on a T-shirt. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited for where we go from here. Uh, I'm really upset by uh, by the suspension uh, for Roman Reigns. Um, when you literally get handed the the franchise, pretty much, like you are, you are our number one guy behind John Cena. Here, take it and run with it. And you've been a champion three times already in such a short amount of time. Like, I really feel bad that, you know, like, what what caused him to break down and do whatever he did? Because we still don't even really know the details of what exactly he did to violate the wellness policy. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, to see, to find out. Um, but I'm pretty sad that uh, that has happened, and like, it, it, it knocks him down a peg. I think this will be a perfect time for him to come back and do a heel turn. Um but uh, I, I would honestly like to see him kind of taken down a peg now, maybe pulled from the main event. Well, hell, they in the future. they really buried him on Raw tonight. So, oh yeah, they. Good Lord. I, I was surprised they haven't it. watched it yet. Oh, oh well, sorry, my bad. My, hey, no, 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 but, uh, no, no real spoilers. It's just Seth Rollins and then no, no, no. and then Stephanie gets to, they they do some they do some work on Roman Reigns in the beginning of the show, but. Um, and it just it, 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 was, it, was, it was really it was really unexpected. Um, I it just I sat back and went, wow, okay. So, um, but all right. Um, my thoughts here are that I think this match went a tad too long. It was twenty six minutes. Um, started to kind of drag out for me. Yeah. Whenever they have these super long main events at the very end of the end of the show, like I actually start dozing off. So. It was still a good match. I gave it. I gave it an A minus, but I, I did find myself nodding off a couple times toward the toward the end of the match. Um, Roman Reigns, as far as Dave Meltzer's official ratings, is the number two performer in the entire company and overall match average. The only person better is AJ Styles over the past two years. Let that sink in for a little while um, when people start start chanting you can't wrestle and these other things when it when it comes to Roman Reigns. Um, now if they said you can't entertain, eh, maybe. But you can't wrestle, I don't know. The guy seems to be doing pretty good um, when it when it comes to at least carrying during the their network specials. So just wanted to throw that out there. Match itself, again, uh, liked it a lot, liked a lot of spots. Liked the cash in at the time that it came. I'm not a huge Ambrose fan, but let's see what he can do. Um, I think that this is uh, hopefully not just some kind of transitional title reign for him, and I'm curious what the I'm curious what the the brand extension is going to be um, for Dean Ambrose and what that means, you know, down the road when we split Raw and SmackDown. But any other takeaways for this match? 
All right. I, I wasn't. I wasn't the most. I'm not a. There was a time that I would have not minded seeing Dean Ambrose with the title. And after the up and down that he was having with his matches, some matches that made sense, some that, but mostly did not. It just it, it looks it looks awkward that he won the Money in the Bank and actually cashed in, probably beating even the record of Roman Reigns how how much time Roman Reigns had the title, which Sheamus obviously made fun of. I think mm-hmm. Seth Rollins had it even for less. And if you want to, and this is the thing that I'm talking about prestige and everything. You got some guy within less than a year three-time champion. Now you have Seth Rollins, a two-time champion, but yet the second reign lasted minutes. That, that if if you knew that Reigns messed up with the whole policy, wellness policy, my wife and I were talking about this. My wife was like, why not just let him win and then have Dean cash in on him? That way, it doesn't just become a second reign for, no pun intended, for Seth Rollins, but yet it only lasted minutes. But, I guess that's where that's the beauty well, of my I was reading a, uh, I was reading an article. I was reading an article uh, shortly after uh, the suspension thing came out about um, them being aware of the violation prior to, and I, from what I understood, the the whole purpose of Seth Rollins pinning Reigns clean was a uh, you know you get pinned clean. And you lose your title clean because you weren't. So I, I think that was part of the punishment. Okay. Uh, I, I guess. And to me, I guess that makes sense. But then yeah, again, it, it, I'm, a, I'm a big Seth Rollins fan, so I was happy to it, see him reclaim it, it, the title it, it that he never it. lost. Yeah, definitely. I'm with you. I'm with you. I really, and those who have asked me before about this, that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, I would like Seth to win because he never really lost the title. But because they went through so much trouble building reigns, even when we when I thought he should have won, and he still kept on winning. Now, obviously, it makes sense what you're saying. There's no reason why to reward him with a clean win over Seth Rollins just to get blindsided by Dean later on. But it just, it, it, to be honest, it's all bad timing. You know what I mean? Like he should have never done what he did, whatever he did that got him suspended. But it's just like all bad timing. It kind of throws a really ugly wrench to this whole thing. And definitely, like you said, he shouldn't even be part of the next main event because if he's not even going to be on TV to build it, definitely shouldn't just show up. Oh, by the way, suspension over. Here I am. But yeah, and I think that's probably one of the most curious things about the suspension going forward is that if they really did know about it and know about it before Money in the Bank, and that was the reason why he lost that Money in the Bank, why even put him on Raw and why even advertise a triple threat? I mean, I, I get it, you know, his suspension will be up before Battleground, but, you know, and, you're the top guy. And, and even oh, if they're really serious about these violations, you know, they need to kibosh it. You know, I don't care who your family is. They need to really stick it to them. But then again, we don't know the details. We don't know exactly what it was sure. that he violated. So look, yeah. look at the suspension titles O'Neill got, which then got reduced for just according to... Well, they said he pulled back Mr. McMahon so that ladies first. And look look at the suspension that he got. We're talking about the guy that was made to be the man, regardless of what the public opinion was. And he just got 30 days because obviously that's that's the way the punishment is cut. First violation is 30 days. But you almost rewarded him afterwards if he's going to be in the main event. Win or lose, he's, he's actually going to be in the main event for the title. I don't know. That's, that's, a, that's a weird one. And I, I'll leave you guys with this. 
first thing my wife said when Seth won, my wife, her words, not mine. Nothing says a guy was a failure as a champion than you losing to the guy that never really lost the belt on the first try. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. ouch. Damn, woman. You, you, you're mean. <laughs> He's cold as ice. <laughs> Willing to sacrifice our love. I believe that's the rest of, of the song. Well, I don't know if I'd step in and say that too much. I mean, I hope your marriage is okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying that because he's right behind me, but I'm just saying. Yeah, but anyway. <laughs> so, my bad. So your, your hands are on my shoulders. What's what's that in my back? All right, anyway. So um, let's see here. We've covered the whole thing now. Overall, start to finish, what's your guys' overall grade for this network special? Cedric? I think about a B-. minus. I I think that what kills it for me was the whole hype behind it. And even though, like you said, the matches that were good were good, but I don't think they were WrestleMania-caliber matches. So I would say a a B-. Okay. Hawkster? I'm going to give it a solid uh, B for Money in the Bank. Uh, the half, second half was awesome. First half could have been on a Raw. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, it w- was not what it was built up to be, um, but it was still very, very good. Um, I still stand by, uh, by what I said when we did our pre-show prediction um, about how I think Money in the Bank should be considered as a, as a big five instead of the big four. Um it's definitely a very quality show. It's not one of those throwaway pay-per-views anymore. Um, but yeah, it wasn't exactly as advertised, but it was still pretty darn good. Yep, I don't. I don't think it was as good as the Extreme Rules event the month prior. Um, I would still say I would warrant this a B minus show overall. Enjoyed it. Uh, so, all right. Now that we've covered pretty much everything we can and. On the network special that was, let's talk. A, let's let's go back in time a little bit. Let's go to our instant classic match of the week, which I have picked out this week. I want to take us back to Starcade 1983 in the dog collar match between Greg the Hammer Valentine and Rowdy Roddy Piper. Um, I don't know who wants to start off uh, talking about this match. I'll take it. Sure. Um, so, go ahead and let, let us know what you thought. All right. Well, going into this match, I was actually surprised that you that you picked this match because um, I had never seen this match before. And to be honest, these type of matches, like the, the dog collar match, the, the Texas strap match, the Bulgarian bull rope or bull chain or whatever, these kind of matches, they always seem to put me off. And I'm like, eh, like really? So, and so went into it. And uh, honestly, I was not disappointed. Uh, it, it reminded me of a of a uh, a WCCW type match, something I'd see, you know, down in Texas, uh, where it was just smash mouth, bloody, and just it was a fight, man. It was it was awesome. And R.I.P. Roddy, uh, you you really were great, and this was one of those really awesome matches. And uh, not knowing anything about the 
about the buildup or why they even had this match to begin with. Uh, it was it was very good. And to be honest, I've never really been a big Greg Valentine fan. Like he's always just been one of those one of those guys that yeah, I know his name, but I can't really pick many matches that he you know wow me in. But this was this was Smash Mouth and man, just how much blood and gore was in this match was ridiculous. You know, uh, it, it almost reminded me of an old Ric Flair match where you just had that crimson face yeah. all over Roddy Piper. Uh, but it was it was entertaining. Um, there was a few match points in the match where I I did kind of lose interest a little bit, um, but I liked the very beginning and I liked the end. Uh, at the very beginning, it was that you know strength for strength. You know, I'm pulling you. No, you're pulling me. Kind of tug of war, literally tug of war. Um, but it was. It was cool. I, I liked it. Um, the finish kind of threw me off because it almost kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, I was really hoping for uh, a little bit more, but it was it, it was cool. Like <laughs> it was just just smash mouth beat you up, and it was cool. I again, uh, uh, I'm not a big fan of these kind of matches, but uh, but it was definitely worth watching, and I enjoyed it. All right, uh, Cedric, what'd you think? All right, I'm back. Sorry about that. <laughs> I put a music. You guys didn't hear all the noise I was making, but I was listening. Though I want you guys thinking I wasn't listening. Oh, of course not. Okay, this match it had it all. I, I guess is the best way to best way to say it. It brought me back to my roots watching some good old fashioned Puerto Rican wrestling. Which, by the way, in the same pay per view. Yep. One of the matches was Carlos Colon versus Abdullah the Butcher, which I had, to, I had to watch, obviously. But um, it had everything. It was like uh, it it didn't it wasn't just one genre. It had many genres. It it was bloody and violent. That was my son's description of it. It had some comedy. There were some some no cells to over cells that I just had to laugh. <laughs> it had it had it had a little bit of. Just technical, as technical as you can get with hitting somebody else with a chain. Uh, it, it just, it was, it was everything and more. It was like a buffet of, of emotions and, and, and styles and all in one match. It was entertaining. Was I, at the end, a super fan? Not really, but I think it was nice to go back to the big. To what was wrestling, you know, it was good to be able to compare what was wrestling back then and what is wrestling today. To see a Roddy Piper who, no, he wasn't a six-pack all-muscle machine, but darn it, he was athletic. And to see Greg DeHammer Valentine and how he looked back then, that was a pretty muscular Greg DeHammer Valentine, you know. To see a match that I would probably seen quite a few times in, in Puerto Rico and the bloodiness and all that stuff, you know, it brought back memories. And I think that's what made me enjoy it, you know, to sit down and watch that. And the finish kind of caught me off guard. And I'm not going to lie, just pull off the <laughs> second rope, three punches to the gut, and the one, two, three came afterwards. But I guess when you're losing all that blood, <laughs> you have to hit it in some way, even if it is just a, a, a trip. But like I said, it had a lot of emotion. It was good to see share with my son. You know, obviously he is more in tune to today's wrestling. But for me, like I told him, I'm like, look, this is what I grew up on. And I, we even watched the Carlos Colon Abdullah the Butcher. And he, 
fight. So I was like, this is what wrestling looked like in Puerto Rico. You know, you don't see all the technical stuff, but you just saw two guys brawling. Mm-hmm. Make it more believable. Just two guys brawling, hitting each other with, with chains. You know, I think I saw my uncle do that once, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> but, um, yeah, me too. Doesn't get more, doesn't get more real to see another man hitting <laughs> somebody else with the chain, you know? But it was, it was a good match, and I, I like the way Hawkser said it, you know, it, it was a weird pick, but it made sense. You know, hey, let's, let's take a look back. Let's, for our listeners, Every now and then, it's, it's, that's the beauty of the network. You get a chance to go back to the roots and enjoy. Just enjoy it for what it is. Legends. Guys, in, legends in the making. You know, just fighting each other. And it was good. And I always say this. And, I, and I'll, I'll leave this. This will be my final thought. I've talked enough today. The crowd. There's something that I appreciate and respect about old school matches when it comes to the crowd interaction. It was... Beautiful to be a heel because they'll boo the crap out of you, and it was great to be the face because they would lift you up to a victory. And even the commentating was wasn't bad. You know what I mean? So Gordon Sully, it was it was it was entertaining to say the least, and it was it was nice to go back and and relive something like that. I think I actually watched the whole pay per view. I'm not gonna lie to you. That's how that's how intrigued I was with that Starcade. I actually watched the whole thing, and I think I might have teared up just seeing what it was before. I'm not sure those tears were good or bad. I think they were really good. But it makes it's good. It's good to look back and see what a good match, what a good solid match is. It wasn't flippy flippy or or craziness. It was just two guys going at it and the audience loving it. Now, thanks you guys, like just for reviewing the match. I know, like you said, it seemed, might seem like an odd pick. Um, I picked this match mainly because it was the greatest brawl I've ever seen. That was just a pure uh, brawl. The way that they used the the chain, the way that they wrestled with one another. Roddy's ear just literally leaking blood. The points where he his hand would not be covered in blood, so he would purposely grab his ear and look at his hand, and you can just see it was fully covered in blood again. Um, yeah. <laughs> Ro- yeah. Roddy selling the fact that he didn't have an equilibrium, and that came from the fact that. Greg Valentine had injured his ear in their previous match when he had won the U.S. title. And then, you know, they sort of built on that injury from before. So it was telling a story from a previous match in in this match. But, yeah, to me, it's it's one of those things. That I, to me, it's, it's the greatest brawl I've, I've ever seen um, in, a, in a match uh, where it wasn't just a hardcore death match or something, you know? Yeah. Um, so uh, I did a review for Starcade '83 uh, a couple years ago, and when I saw this match, I was like instantly intrigued with it. To me, easily the best match in the card. Um, one thing about the finish, though, um, man, in in the early '80s like this, um, people didn't use a lot of finishing moves. So like later in the pay per view, when when Flair wrestles Harley Race, Flair wins with a a cross body. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so it's just, it, it's crazy, you know, the way that the finishes were back then. And if somebody did hit a finishing move, forget about it. Like, I mean, it was game over if, if you hit your finish um, back in the day. Heck, most of the time you won with a crucifix or a roll-up or, you know, small package, you were going to beat somebody with that um, most of the time. 
Um, so <laughs> it, it's just it's just one of those things. Sorry, man. Are, are you laughing that's about me? Am I being small package? You? No, no. <laughs> you, 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 as you're saying that, I thought about the commentator. Here goes, here goes Greg the Valentine doing the souplay, the souplay. I'm like. Can you imagine if, it, if Brock Lesnar was Suple City? Suple City. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was you, funny. I, I think Suple City. I think you could Suple make. It, I think you could make a meme of and, and make it into Suple City, and so people could just make little pictures of souffles in a in 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 a little, uh, in a little thing. Yeah, and then you could you could totally sell Suple City. Um, actually, Suple City. You'd, you'd find some fat guy that did suplexes. And you could call it Souffle City instead of Suplex City, but um, he, you know, Gordon Soli was was doing the actual pronunciation of the move, though. So, but I digress. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, to me the to me this this match just illustrated what I liked about um, two peer brawling styles that was out there, and it showed Roddy's toughness, his resiliency, and his ability to just come back from the amount of damage that he'd taken, and the fact that he basically bled the whole damn match. Um, but, yeah, great match overall. Thank you guys for reviewing it with me. Do you guys have any other thoughts about the match? No, the last thing I want to say is I'm surprised he actually had an ear left on his head after that match. There was a few times where, like, there was just so much blood. I was curious if we saw, like, a Mike Tyson type thing where he just freaking ripped his ear off. Yeah, and now nah, I'm pretty sure he just bladed it, <laughs> and just got just yeah. got real deep, you know, in that tissue behind yeah. the ear. And then, yeah, and, yeah, and as far as you, you mentioned earlier, the selling of uh, the no equilibrium. I'm not sure if he was actually selling that or not with the amount of blood loss that was there. <laughs> I thought the same thing. <laughs> uh, I, I look at it like. Um, and again, this goes back to announcing, not to get on a soapbox again, but how good were they at at putting that over though? As he's stumbling around, as he's in, you know, they they made sure to make mention of it and to tie it into his ear injury. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when oh, yeah. a, when an announcer when an announcer's on the same page with a wrestler and they can smell what they're cooking, so to speak, sense the aroma of their culinary effort and what they're trying to do in the uh, in the ring. It, it really helps a lot because it definitely added in this match. Um, so, but all right, guys, cool. So we've got one more thing to cover. Shouldn't take too long because you know we, we've already covered both these tag teams in full. So if you'd like to see the um, actual breakdown of these two tag teams for our fantasy booking, go check out some of our earlier episodes. But we just want to talk briefly about our pick on who should move forward. We had the Midnight Rockers versus the Hart Foundation. Um, Hawkster, why don't you start us out? Tell us what you see happening in this match and who you think the winner will be. Alrighty. Well, this is a this is a tough match for me because on one hand, you got Brett the Hitman Hart. And on the other hand, you got the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. And I know you're a Bret Hart fan. So I know you're going to pick the uh, the Hart Foundation. And we all know that I'm a Shawn Michaels fan. <laughs> and as much as I want to pick the Rockers, like this is a, a really up and down match for me. And what makes it worse 
is that my favorite match on the WWE Network for just $9.99, where you actually see the Rockers versus the Heart Mat, the Heart Foundation, the match is interrupted by Demolition, and it's, it kind of ends up in a draw. So I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, that was the best match I've seen out of these guys, and it's a draw. So uh, it's tough, because you have the, the speed, the agility, and the athleticism from the Rockers versus the pure wrestling ability of Bret Hart and just the raw strength and power from Jim the Anvil Nighthard. And it's it's a real toss-up for me. But uh, speaking of toss-up, I'm, I'm going to have to give it to the Hart Foundation team. And as much as that breaks my heart seeing Shawn Michaels lose, that that pure wrestling ability and that uh, that strength from Jim the Anvil Nighthard is going to be enough to toss the Rockers out of this tournament. And uh, I'm, I'm wow. going to go with the Heart Foundation. Huh. Before we before we move on, I want to make sure. Can you pronunciate uh, Night Night Heart one more time? Jim the Anvil Nightheart. It's N I E D H A R T. Nightheart. Nightheart. I'm pretty sure it's Nightheart. Nightheart. Yeah. Oh, I'm saying hard. Nightheart. Yeah. Uh, and, and it had me. And it had me cracking up. <laughs> It's like Cedric calling well, the Midnight Rockers the Midnight Express all the time. Oh, that that takes that's back to memory lane. Oh goodness! Oh, that's good stuff. But uh, you're breaking you're breaking my heart here. <laughs> English is hard, man. I agree. Yeah, so you're, you're hearting my feelings. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. So, so he takes he takes the heart foundation. Cedric, who who did you pick? I I, I picked Nayheart. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a little Nayheart right now. Continue. <laughs> oh man. I oh my gosh. I agree. I agree with with how standing with even with the pronunciation. By the way, I, I'm with you. Uh, I'm not one to. Yeah, I'm gonna start you guys to people. settle down here. Uh, I'm not one to start correcting people in English anyway. But anyway, um, I watched a, I watched one match from these guys just to ha- give myself a, a a quick reboot of of the memory, and it ended after 21 minutes. It ended on a DQ because Jim D'Anvil, Nightheart, and Marty Jannetty just get at it. And, and throughout the whole match, it was, it was funny because they kept on talking about how technical Bret Hart was, how he was probably second only, not even second, just se- second to will be Mr. Perfect, almost a tie, what, uh, both of them in the technical, the technical side of wrestling. So I was like, you know, and then you see how quick the Rockers were. And I was like, you know what? This, in a series of matches, these guys would either end up drawing with, by DQ, or just split even, and it was really hard to to pick to pick to be honest. But at the end, for me, I just looked at it as strong as Marty was. He wasn't stronger than Jim, and as good of a, fu- a wrestler he was, I don't think he was as technical as as Bret Hart. And at the time, obviously Shawn Michaels wasn't the Shawn Michaels that we ended up loving down the road when he became HBK. So I went with the Hart Foundation, but definitely. That Midnight Rockers or, or Rockers, however you want to call them, those two guys in today's WWE, 
I don't see how they will probably beat many many tag teams today, just like they did before. But this was a hard one. And speaking of hard, I went with the Hard Foundation. So I think Wrath is speechless by both of us picking the Hard Foundation. I think so. Probably wiping some tears from his eyes. He's so happy that we didn't I, choose Shawn Michaels. I actually, uh, I actually muted my microphone, so then I was laughing at myself because I was like, "They obviously can't hear what I'm saying," and I was making a bunch, <laughs> I was making a bunch of heart and heart puns, and then I was like, "Wow, okay, nothing." And then, of course, you guys were still talking. <laughs> but, but anyway, I think you both are some are very smart men. I will just, I will start out with that uh, from the beginning. So, um. This man, uh, no, that, what? Huh? What is that? Smart or smart? Smart. It would be smart in this right. instance. Um, and uh, I think that uh, I think this was a heart match to to pick. Um, because the Heart Foundation, you know, is just such a great team. But to me, it comes down to where these teams were at at the time when we're comparing them. If we're looking at the the Heart Foundation, to me, we're just better. Um, at that time, Shawn Michaels was not, you know, quite what he was going to become. Marty Jannetty actually was was probably the leader of that team, um, and I just don't think he was quite on the same level as, as what you're going to see Bret Hart, um, Bret Hart, or uh, Jimmy Anvil Nighthart. Uh, so, to me, um, it was a, it was wouldn't say an easy choice, but it was one of those ones if you look at it logically, made sense. Based on the booking, I think we should move the Hard Foundation uh, to the next step in the in the tournament. Um, so, I think we've covered uh, pretty much everything we can. We went a little over two hours here. And uh, what do you guys what do you guys think for for next week? As far as the uh, what, what do we have? We could probably cover two of these fantasy bookings now. So, since we don't have to break down the tag teams anymore, so what do we got next on the list? Mm. Oh my gosh, the list is in the room. Oh, wait one second. Nope. I said, go over there. I'm going to keep this part in the podcast. All right. Well, while we're waiting, I'm going to I'm gonna give a little sneak peek, and Cedric's just going to be a sore loser because he left the room and sneaky, you're not going to be able to hear this. Sneaky peek? A sneaky peek for next week's uh, Ickmal, you know, the same classic match of the week because I'm pretty sure it's my turn next week, right? It, it is, yes. All righty. Well, while we're waiting for him, I want to draw this out a little bit. My my match of the week for next week, I'm going to take you to a small little I'm back. auditorium. Okay, well, I don't have to sell anymore, but I'm still going to do it, you know, just for showmanship keep, abilities. Keep continuing. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to take, take us into a very small, small arena in, uh, in Chicago, Illinois. On October 16th of 2004... Now, this instant classic match of the week next week is not a WWE match. It's not a WCW match. It's not, not even a New Japan or a TNA match. This is going to be a Ring of Honor match. And, uh, it, it, you know, it might not be a match a lot of people have seen. But to me, this match is probably one of the best matches I've ever seen in a pro wrestling ring. And it is... CM Punk versus Samoa Joe 2. Their second match 
in the second of uh, three matches, but this second match probably was one of the best matches of all time, in my opinion. And uh, so there you go. October 16th, 2004, CM Punk versus Samoa Joe 2. Nice. Okay. And since since we've had the sneaky peek of the week, um, which flows off the tongue beautifully, um, Cedric, who are we going to have for our fantasy tag team tournament next week? If we continue down the, the list, it will be Red Dragon versus the American Wolves. And because it should be quick, we also have King of Wrestling versus the Von Erichs. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. That, that's going to be be some good matchups. That we're going to start getting into that, that nitty-gritty um, of, uh, of, of this tournament. It's going to be harder and harder to pick, but... All right. Um, any harder and harder to think. Yeah. Any, yeah, harder and harder. Any. Uh, I just want to say for the record <laughs> now, it's um, it, it's Bert Hard now. If he ever comes back on the show, Bert Hard. Bert there Hard. And uh, so, you guys have any any last minute words, any takeaways before we uh, we hop off here, enjoy the rest of our night, or in my instance, maybe just the back say of my thank eyelids. you again for. Uh, Hey, yeah, because I know you guys are pretty tired. It's still daylight up here in Alaska, but uh, you know. it's summertime, so it's always daylight, you know. I, yeah. uh-huh. Well, I got to stay up tonight, so I'm going to go find something to do. But Maybe I'll go watch this match you're talking about. Yeah, you, so you might have to dig around for it. It's not on the WWE Network. Yeah. Well, you better post a link, otherwise it doesn't count. All right, sounds good. <laughs> All right, Cedric, you got anything else? Nah, man, I'm good. I'm good. Ready to go to bed. Yeah, well, I just want to say thank you guys again for getting this uh, recording done. And uh, thanks to the listeners out there. Hope you enjoyed our, between our, our crude humor, making fun of our, our abilities to grammar and uh, pronounce words, and then also our, our breakdown and um, our thoughts on the network special. So we look forward to, if you can, let us know your thoughts. Um, but other than that, till next week, the uh, court is adjourned. Thank you.